Everybody wants to know what I would do if I didn't win. I guess we'll never know. Imagine making a difference. No, imagine being the difference. The difference between I can't and I can or I won't and I will. The reason someone chooses to wake up and strive for greatness. In life, it can feel like everything is working against you. Let's defy all odds and break generational curses. This is Overstepping Poverty with Daquan and Zacchaeus. Welcome back to Overstepping Poverty, the podcast that provides you with tips, tricks, and hacks in overstepping poverty. My name is Daquan Brooks, and I'm here with my co-host, Zacchaeus Shaw. How you doing, Zacchaeus? I'm doing good, brother. Good, you know, good. Just got to spend a bunch of time this weekend with family, helping celebrate my brother's graduation. He actually received his star quote yesterday and another piece to go along with his cap and gown, so... Super excited about that. Have family over. Get to have a good time. What about Absolutely. you? How, how have things been for you? I'm doing great, man. I'm doing great. Like I said, the weather continues to change in our favor. <laughs> so that is lovely. And it's great for us just because I love being outside. And being in South Dakota, you only get three, four months of nice weather. And after that, you're you're in the cold. Right. So mm-hmm. That's on a good year. Exactly. <laughs> <For real laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. So let's get into it today. We have a very special guest on the show. It's been a long time coming. I've been hearing quite a few things about her from you as well as from Monique. And you two are very special people. So if you're saying good things about her, then she must be a very special person <laughs> as well. So Yes, she is. So today on the podcast, we are having somebody who really pours her heart into our community and she's done it for a long time now and she's taken some next steps in her life and we want to help with that as well as bring her into our network and show the people that we know that there are amazing people out here and so we're introducing Don Marie Joe Johnson. (laughs) How are we doing Don Marie? (laughs) I'm doing so good so good it's bright early morning beautiful outside yeah just happy to be here with you guys i love it we definitely are very lucky to have you here so we appreciate you coming and this is going to be a very a very very informative episode it's we're going to learn about of course you you're going to learn a lot about us as well and really just about what we are all doing together i mean as a community to help other individuals so the first thing actually i want to go over with you don i want to know and of course our viewers and listeners want to know who is don Don Sorry, Marie. who is Don Marie? My apologies. <laughs> who is Don Marie? Where do you come from? You know, how'd you grow up? Yeah. So thank you for that correction. It, yes. it happens. Yes. You know what? It happens all the time. It's mm-hmm. okay. My grandma wanted to have a girl so badly mm-hmm. and she didn't get that. And mm-hmm. she wanted to name her daughter Don Marie. And she had four boys. Mm-hmm. Wow. And so the first grandchild, who was me, girl received the Don Marie name. Okay. Yes. So I am from Wabe, South Dakota, which is in the very okay. northeast corner of South Dakota. Yes. And resides on Sistin Wapton Oyate tribe, which is our tribe, right? Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Represent up in here. And whoop whoop. whoop. <laughs> Wabe is very rural, very small, and I loved how I grew up. It was a town of four hundred We had a lot of community things that my mom was involved with. She was a daycare provider for 22 years at our home. 
And we always joke that I always said I would never work with kids. <laughs> I would never go into the field that had anything to do with children because I had so many right. in my home. And if you could imagine an angry teenager having a timeout chair like by their room, it mm. was it was a no-go for me. I'm like, I'm getting out of here. I'm getting off the res. I'm not going to work with kids. And I'm not going to have my own kids. And I did. <laughs> everything opposite (laughs) of that you tried to fight it i tried to fight it and it just was in my nature to do exactly what i was around my whole life so yeah so most people usually say that a lot of people have their different characteristics their qualities about them that makes them special Mm -hmm. i want to know exactly what are those qualities that make you you that's a great question. So I was, I was actually like reflecting on my childhood and the way that I had to work really hard at a very young age. And what I mean by that is I was am deaf in my left ear and we went through quite a bit of my early education not knowing that. And I would go through school completely frustrated, go home, and then my mom would have to reteach everything that happened that day. So I had like double lessons every single day. And looking back now, I recognize that that was a blessing because it taught me a different way of learning, even though it was like different from most people and moving ahead in education. It was really helpful because I wasn't good at memorizing. I wasn't good at like picking things up right away and I had to learn differently. And so I had to work really hard that instilled the work ethic of, pushing myself again ultimately it helped me in higher ed because when you get to higher ed it's not just memorizing things it's applied knowledge right right Right. so at an early age I practiced applied knowledge as like a first through fifth grader and so that I had to right like I had to figure that out and then even growing up the way we did we didn't have a lot of money and that part of that work ethic was in order to have a, a solid Christmas I would have to raise a pumpkin patch and the turnout of that pumpkin patch was the excess of extra gifts or trips that we could possibly do. Oh. Our big trip was coming down to the Ramada, the the pirate ship. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if my crop of pumpkins was a success, then we could afford to come down to Sioux Falls after Christmas Day wow. and be at the Ramada and be at the pirate ship. So like work ethic I would say is a very prominent quality that I have. Yeah. And it started really young. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love that. What were some of the challenges then obviously dealing with being deaf in your left ear, Mm -hmm. not always knowing that, especially as you're starting in school, you're in a rural environment, your family is having to do those types of things to make money, to go do those things. When you see yourself where you're at today, And how has that set you apart? Because we do have all these challenges that when we're in the thick of it, don't ever feel like they're actually there to help us. Mm -hmm. But like you said, those things push you to become ambitious and hardworking. I guess the question that I'm trying to ask is today there's a separation between people that are wanting to do things and the people that are doing things. Mm -hmm. Like where do you feel like that clicked to where you started to see the ball rolling and you're starting to see like, oh, everything I went through actually has made me a a better person today. Yeah, I would say that really starts with my mom. Yeah, She is an incredibly hard worker, always has been. 
her modeling that for me was, I mean, that set me up for success Yeah. right off from the jump, right? Yeah. Her pushing me to do the things like the pumpkin patch. I was in Girl Scouts my whole childhood up to early emerging adulthood. Right. I was in every sort of volunteer thing possible in Wabe. <laughs> I would raise money for Relay for Life for the American mm-hmm. Cancer Society. We would sell poppies for the veterans for Memorial Day. Like she had me so involved That's and amazing. she made sure that we were exposed to all different walks of life. She made sure that we didn't and this is a big one. She made sure that we didn't have like a victim's mentality. where we weren't like oh no poor me we have to raise money for gifts or oh no poor me i have to bring a bag of quarters to pay for breakfast it was just we worked hard and she she worked hard and i saw her work tirelessly doing daycare and then she would always show up to my things even though she would have big van full of daycare kids (laughs) she would come to every basketball game she'd come to every dance she'd come to every volleyball game like, she showed up, and she worked hard, which made me show up and me work hard. Yeah. And so even having a nine-year-old daughter, when she's asking for all these weird slimes and squishmallows, I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. what are you going to do to earn that? Right. Where are you going to start? What goals are you going to set mm. to earn those things? And it's I know that that transfer of work ethic yep. comes and started with my mom. Absolutely. You know, shout out to all the mothers out there. Mother's Day is Sunday here. It's amazing that you have that mindset and that mentality that your mom gave to you. She Mm -hmm. passed along that work ethic to you. And like you said, it's so often that people have a victim's mentality where they just constantly just say, wow, well, I had to go through this because I see other kids that are just giving things are just given to them. Mm -hmm. And a lot of them compare themselves to other kids. But I've seen kids that were given so much that now, I mean, they don't have anything because they don't know how to work for things, for things like that. So shout out to your mom, shout out to you to continue that inspired work ethic and being the person you are today. So thank you. Absolutely. Going into that, most people will say that they don't have enough time in the day. And by saying that, I mean, they're pretty much just stating that there's not a lot of stuff that they can do in that 24 hours, you know, (laughs) and then someone else will combat that with, if you feel like you can't make yourself available or you can't get yourself to something, it's probably not important to you. Mm. Now you do so much around the community. I want to know exactly how do you not only make time in the day for yourself, but how do you also do that with all the other things that you're involved in? Yeah, it's a practice art. Mm -hmm. I mean, you have to get down a schedule that your body will follow to ensure that you're staying on pace. Mm -hmm. So I'm a very early morning person. I don't see the weekday as a work day. I think the entire week is an opportunity to work and get things done, even on weekends. And I start right away in the morning. I'm, if I'm not up by 4, it's 4.15, 4.30. Yeah. Start with movement. That's really important for me to get my body moving because ultimately it's my only alone time. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. my only space to do what I need to do for myself, whether it's working out, whether it's starting my, with my meditation app, getting some laundry done and listening to music and just zoning out for a minute, whatever mm-hmm. that looks like. It starts right away in the morning. 
And then it goes right into the day, getting rain up early, having a little time with her before school, dropping her off for school, and then the day goes. And I have a very calculated schedule, color-coded schedule to see, like, where I'm going to be that I look at in the morning so I know how to prepare for my day and even the night before. Time can be on your side. Yeah, absolutely. It really can. You have to be intentional either the night before, the morning of, looking at what you have ahead. I like my organized color coding things so I know kind of what hat I'm wearing for the day. Or if I need multiple hats that day, especially with running an election, having a full-time job, being a mom, volunteering, like all that's coded differently. Right. Mm -hmm. And does it take time to master that? Yes. But once you get it, you can fully maximize your output if you can get that down, mm-hmm. get up early, and get to bed early. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I get made fun of all the time. Like, my phone will say, hey, it's 7.15. Start to wind down. Like right. And, and my, my students make fun of me. They're like, okay, <laughs> Grandma. And I'm like, no, my phone lets me know, girl, it's time to lay down. Mm-hmm. Right. You've done enough for the day. Chill out, power down, spend time with rain, get some good rest, because tomorrow you're back at it. For sure. That was actually where I wanted to go with that next part of that question was like, where do you find the time to recharge and reset? And it sounds like a lot of that is in the morning Mm -hmm. where you're able to meditate, get some movement and really get your mind right. Yeah. So that you can focus on the things that need to be done and kind of rinse and repeat Mm -hmm. for you. I think that's awesome, especially when you get in a cycle and a rhythm and a routine of it. Do you feel that it starts to become easier to manage those things? Oh, yeah. It's just a part of the the day in the life now at this yeah. point. If I do need a reset, running has been my new like love. I just started to become a runner this last summer. Okay. As you might remember, I was one of the speakers at CultureCon this last yeah, year. Yeah. And for me, that was a lot of anxiety because it was my first major speech. Oh. And so uh, to get out of the anxiety of that and to not disrupt my daily life because of the anxiety of that, I started to run, which helped me uh, practice every single day. And mm. even as I'm going out and doing election stuff, if I know I have a big forum coming up, if I'm starting to feel the stress and anxiety of it, because I do have I do have anxiety. It's I get yeah. really nervous and I start to cycle through and I'm really critical and I'm hard on myself. Sure. And when I run, I can practice all the things I'm going to say or I can really rethink to and reflect on the conversations I had throughout the day to kind of piece them together and plant them in my head so right. they're in the appropriate pocket to pull out later. And that like three to four mile run helps me sort those things out. And it's also obviously healthy for you. Right. Absolutely. Um, and even though I have horrible knees because I was a rugby player in college, mm-hmm. somehow. Really? <laughs> I've been, yeah. Somehow I've been able to make running a part of a daily habit, too. Wow. Yeah. That's really cool. I don't want to gloss over that part where you were talking about taking those things in your head and kind mm-hmm. of putting them where they needed to go. I don't think that a lot of people are aware of the power of being able to do that. Yeah. And I, I'm assuming when you're able to run, you're really able to get into your head and mm-hmm. really focus on those things. Have you ever been able to do that as well, where you go through your head and you're kind of organizing those thoughts? And Absolutely. Actually, it connects with what she said as far as waking up early, that four thirty, five o'clock mentality and kind of finding your movement. So typically what I do is I get up, I work out in the morning and that is my time where 
my entire day. Well, half the time I won't even wear headphones when I'm working out because there's so much going on in my head while I'm working out and I'm sorting these things Mm -hmm. and I'm ready to start my next, my start of my day, of course, um, on that. So I've been able to do that just from working out. And I've noticed that when I don't get up and I skip the workout or anything like that, my entire day typically just seems like elapse like Don't i did you something feel wrong like trash yeah like, like you're like ah oh, yeah like i do this to myself exactly yeah. and, I'm, and then everything just feels off and then like my energy is different as well obviously i work with customers face to face on a day-to-day basis and i know that if my energy is off and i'm speaking with these customers then their energy is going to be off mm-hmm. i'm in sales and if their energy is off then they're probably not going to move forward with anything that i'm providing as far as a product so right. i've absolutely seen and witnessed myself you know, take those thoughts, where I'm going, what I'm going to do for the day, and just start putting those into different categories and things that aren't going to fulfill me or fill my cup. And I take those and I toss those out while I'm working out. Mm -hmm. So absolutely. No, I I can appreciate that. Just you saying that you have to be that person Mm -hmm. for your customers, because even in education, you have to be the person the students want to show up for. Yep. And being yeah. able to disseminate and like really go through and file away certain things yep. so you're fully present with who you're serving is so important, whether it's customers, whether it's students, whoever that is, mm-hmm. like they can tell if you're not there. Yep. They can right. tell if you're not present. They can tell if you're not being authentic, all those things. So it is important to take the time to file away each thing to be able to either pull them out or like you said, get rid of some of that that doesn't serve you. Yep. The junk. Absolutely. You talk about students. Let's get into that. So can you tell us about your current position and what you're doing Mm -hmm. and kind of some of the goals that you have set for yourself here over the next week or so (laughs) um, from this point you know (laughs) I'm sure it's been a a much deeper thought than that but yeah can you dive into that for us a little bit for sure so I've worked inside a school for the last 10 years I it's mostly been in an after school setting where I was a director or a community outreach coordinator managing grants offering different outreach supports I did quite a few years enemy swim Okay, where's that at? That is by the Sisseton area up north by Wabe. Okay. And then Summit, that is the very northeast corner too. Some people say it's the Bermuda Triangle in South Dakota because of the weather. Mm -hmm. It's like always foggy and blizzarding. And if you know, you know. Yeah. And I ran and started a program there after school as well. And we received like national recognition through the Department of Education for how well that program was ran, which was pretty incredible we had just gave me chills i know we had a lot of different legislators that came and visited us and i loved it i loved working like that but i moved to sioux falls during the pandemic after i received my master's in social work to give rain an opportunity to get off the reservation and to get out of a rural space just because and not that there's anything wrong with it i just wanted a life different for her and to see what that would look like and so I received an opportunity to work at Joe Foss the Axtell Park building which I know now that you're familiar with yeah yep. so cool that we both have worked there I know and I was the career technical education and community outreach coordinator for two years there and so I would help students bridge and emerge into society after graduation or leading up to graduation by helping them get internships, job shadows, different career opportunities, and just help them get 
get into society, welcomed, yeah. get connected. And I did that. And I also helped them with getting the Leaders of Tomorrow program, which I know we can dive yeah. into that too in a little bit. But yeah. um, I started that. But now I am the director of leadership and culture for the South Dakota After School Network. Okay. So I have doing been doing this role for a year. I left the Sioux Falls School District a year ago to step into this role. I was on their leadership board for six, seven years. And when the After School Network received enough dollars to start paying people to do some of the volunteer things that I was doing for the network, like host a day at the Capitol for Children's Day, we had a lot of advocacy things that I would do as a volunteer. And when they came to me and said, hey, would you want to get to do those things now I'm like <laughs> yes sign me up right so I've only been in this position for a year but the impact report that we just put out of how much we've accomplished as a network because we're a party of five has been incredible and I just got done speaking in Palm Springs and was in San Antonio reporting out all the great work that we're doing as a network and impacting not just Sioux Falls area, but rural spaces like all the tribes. Mm -hmm. Last summer, I took a STEM trailer, like a horse trailer, filled with STEM steam activities. And we went to a bunch of powwows. And we took those trailers and we, we, I walked through the parade in my ribbon skirt and all the little girls were like, are you a princess? (laughs) And I'm like, yeah, come down and see me. Let's play and hang out. And so to be able to walk that, have the STEM activities going on, show little girls, native girls, that they can be an engineer. Right. They can do STEM. They can work with their hands, too. Like, recognizing that I might have just inspired the next grand engineer. And that has been so cool to step into this role and have the opportunity to really do with this director of leadership and culture as I see fit. And it's, it's been really amazing and it's, but it's also given me the flexibility to now run for school board for Sioux Falls school district. And that's currently what I'm in the midst of right now. Mm -hmm. And it's only been a month and a half. The petition official petition came out, I think April 10th and you have a month to campaign fundraise do what you need to do, meet every person humanly possible, Mm -hmm. door knock. You have less than a month to get all that done. And that's what I'm sitting in right now. Yeah. But my role with the network is very supportive of me doing that because they recognize that Sioux Falls is building community learning centers right now, which is after school based. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to be, I would say, phoning a friend, calling an expert in this moment as we start to build those programming. And I have the experience for that. And I understand the ins and outs of it. And also being inside of a school and being inside of the Sioux Falls School District, it's just made sense for me to run. Like the stars have aligned at this (laughs) point. (laughs) I love when that happens. Yeah. I have two questions on that. Yeah. The first one is... Why is it important for you to stay connected, but also build a connection for people with their roots, Indian or Native American culture? Mm -hmm. And then on top of that, what was the driving force for you really wanting to get onto the school board as well? Yeah, so I would say that growing up, I was always put in different pockets. Like people were defining me in the space that I was in, Mm -hmm. which made identity it was almost like an identity crisis for sure. m- 
much of, I was either white bread or I was Pocahontas. Like there was no just me being Don Marie. Right. And going through that and recognizing and seeing that in a lot of my students, how they have an identity crisis of figuring out who they are. They're going through this alternative school here in Sioux Falls and they're getting defined. People are saying, you are this type of kid because you go to this school. And that's how I felt when I was going into different pockets and places. Oh, you're from the res, so you're this way. Right. Oh, you're back on the res, but you went to school. Now you're too white. Mm. And, like, I identified so much with what those kids were going through, just even from a poverty standpoint, from an identity standpoint, from an educational, like, having to learn differently standpoint. Like, I connected with so many kids because recognizing in education that education comes first, relationship comes first, and education comes second. Mm. Like, that was pivotal for this group of kids and all kids, but especially for that group that's in this alternative setting. So knowing what I know, experiencing what I experienced, and then having a daughter in the school district, right? Like, that's what really was a driver behind doing school board. And being connected, and I was a community outreach coordinator, so I was in all these different pockets of people, and I met with the current school board folks, and they're like, hey, would you ever consider? Mm -hmm. I never thought of that. Again, I've never seen, have you seen a Native American woman on a school board here in town? Uh -uh. It's never happened. I'd be the first woman of color and first Native American on the school board. I love it. We need to make that happen, people. Yeah. And we That's say amazing. it we say it all the time. To make a change, you have to be the change. Mm-hmm. And so for you to get involved and be involved in this to of course make that change where you see fit. That's amazing. I don't want to skip Zach's second question there as well. So I'll let you get back to that. And then I just have a couple questions for you on that as well. Yeah, I think she said just having her daughter in it Mm -hmm. and just seeing everything in the school district that she's dealt with as she's helped teach or whatever it is. And all that's kind of been a driving force for you kind of to to run for the the school board. Well, and then to circle back into like tying it into being Native American, our Native American graduation rates comparative to as a whole for Sioux Falls at 84% graduation completion native americans are at like 42 percent wow yeah and for me that's like how are we not in a state of crisis right that to me is screaming that's screaming help help me help me and so shedding light to that and bringing a sense of urgency into that to recognize the the needs Mm -hmm. that are they're really great but we have to start somewhere yeah and even just me being on the school board I'm hopeful that we will build a better trust between our Native relatives Mm -hmm. and the school system just by me being a familiar face. Mm -hmm. Well, representation is important, Mm -hmm. right? Like, and I mentioned it before when I went into New York Life and I go into New York Life and I see nobody else that I work with is of any color. Mm Mm-hmm that drove me to want to change things that drove me to want to bring people of color in like, Hey, look, there's a great opportunity here. Come on in and opening those doors for people where they never knew that they could actually walk through those doors or Mm -hmm. they never knew that those things were possible for them. And they, they are, you know, so it is important to have the representation of somebody that's like, you can do it and I can show you that you can do it because I'm doing it. Yeah. And I think that's really important. So that familiarity. Yeah, absolutely. My question for you now is, what do you see as far as the biggest challenges that we face in the school district? 
Yeah, I mean, the graduation rates, yep. that's that's going to be something I'm going to focus in on yep. for sure. And then there's, I, I did a lot of listening. This really tight frame of getting this all done, I've sat with a lot of educators. Yeah. And their priorities right now is getting through the social studies standards. And if you're not aware, the state has mandated a new curriculum for teachers to implement that it's hard to put this into words, but it's just not realistic. Mm -hmm. In no way is a teacher going to have time to implement such a hefty curriculum that isn't age appropriate for children and it doesn't align well with the vocabulary that they're currently focusing on in their at that grade level and they're concerned they're really worried about it and they don't know how they're going to do it and I openly publicly testified against them and it is a growing concern for us to get that implemented in three years because we have three years as a school district to do it and it doesn't align into Spanish immersion, which, as we know, we have a very robust Spanish immersion program here in Sioux Falls. It doesn't fit into it. As far as I know, it doesn't go into Chromebooks. I have a nine-year-old, and most of their work is done on their Chromebooks. Mm -hmm. So now you're telling me that an entire curriculum, an entire section of learning doesn't go into this one area that you're going to have to learn on? So oh. teachers are concerned. And they don't know how they're going to do it. And guess what? They're still tired from the pandemic. Right. We still haven't even been like, oh, hey, are you guys all right? You just went through this whole thing. Right. Mm -hmm. But here's a huge curriculum to implement. Good luck. Right. So checking in with them, first and foremost, has been so important to me to hear from them, to make sure that they know that I'm going to be willing to listen, to make sure they know that I've walked alongside them during the pandemic and recognize that we still haven't talked about what we just went through. Mm -hmm. Yeah, That is like step one before we even get into how we're going to handle those awful graduation rates because uh -huh. right. it comes down to who's taking care of the people, taking care of the people right, right. now. Right. And we haven't looked at that. And I'm not discrediting anything that the current board has done. It's just, wow, we went through a pandemic. Right. Mm -hmm. And we got to go backwards a little bit and see how our teachers, educators, cooks, janitors, secretaries, every sort of space in the school district, bus drivers, they all went through it. And they all matter, too. They all matter. And they all make a successful day for our kids. Yeah. So we got to check in on them see how they're doing so we can get through these things that are coming down the pipeline, like the social study standards. And then two, like as you've witnessed at Axtell Park, we just have a growing need of mental health things for our kids. And how that looks is it comes out as behaviors. Their trauma comes out as behaviors. Their trauma comes out as sadness. Their trauma comes out as suicidal ideations at a younger and younger and younger age. And we are so focused on the daytime curriculum and and we have to test and do maps testing and to get state standards where are we fitting in the compassion where are we fitting in the life skills where are we fitting in how to stand up for ourselves like that still needs to be worked out too yeah. and building, again, the building them up as people to right. be able to be functional in society mm. when during the day teachers are just trying to get through preparing kids to test Right. And that's not their fault. That's how the system's currently set up. Mm -hmm. That was a very long story, long answer. But it is truly starting with checking in 
with our folks to prepare them for what's to come nationally, statewide, and then managing the mental health of our kids right now because there's just a huge need. And I think that's been talked about several times, even with you guys and who you're interviewing. Like mental health is a crisis in its own. For sure. 100%. Absolutely. I love that. And I love that you stated we need to take care of the people who are taking care of the people. Mm-hmm. I think we tend to forget, you know, our teachers and our and our school system and, you know, our pivotal leaders. I mean, we you discussed, you said earlier, leaders of tomorrow. They are developing these kids to become what we are, to take our place, to ensure that the world is still running, that yeah. the world is still a good place. And if we're not taking care of them, then, I mean, essentially down the line, we're just, we're pretty much giving up on everyone, I feel like. That is huge, and I love that. With the leaders of tomorrow that you had mentioned before, and Daquan just mentioned, you went through the program, I've been through the program, and it's a great program. Can you tell me a little bit more on what's being done with leaders of tomorrow and the students that are in Joe Foss or in, oh, yeah. in high school? Yeah, so I was the the connector for think 3d to get in to do a leaders of tomorrow next generation of leaders Mm -hmm. i went through their teacher cohort it was the first one that they had done and came out the other side and landed in their bridging the gap community foundation group that helps decide where they're going to invest their next cohorts in wow and they had a pillar left open students and i was like hello, I can get you some students. Right. Please come to my school and start with my kids because they have the most need and they deserve it. Right. And I knew I deserved what I got out of that program because I walked away. I wasn't taking care of myself Mm. and I wasn't showing up as the best version of me. I wasn't showing up as the person the kids deserved when they came to the school. I wasn't being the best mother and that program helped me reorganize even my daily planner. So I like was intentional, but then it also instilled the confidence and drive in me to do what I needed to do to be able to give back in the best way. So after I completed that and recognized the value that would have for students and we got that pilot program going, we did a year ago. So 2022, that's where we are. Yes. (laughs) So in the spring of 22, we did a full 19 week program with Joe Foss students. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. And so it was a weekly thing. We had win Wednesdays and we did a full program where they brought in community leaders almost every single week. We had Mayor Paul there we had people from Avera and Samford, like really key hitters in Sioux Falls coming in and talking to our students just spewing life into them just giving them resources opportunity inspiration and we know i mean tamian and vani just them alone being Mm -hmm. there and being men of color primarily joe foss if you don't know is primarily world majority kids and i say world majority very intensely like intentional and intense because i'm sick of saying minority it seems like a belittling thing We are a world majority. World majority is people of color. Mm -hmm. And that's how I like to speak that out. And so to have two men of color coming in, speaking to our world majority kids, putting life into them, giving them leadership skills, building their confidence, connecting them to resources, Mm -hmm. like that was a huge piece that, like I mentioned, is missing in day-to-day operations of school. 
For sure. By no fault of the school or teachers. It's just there is not a lot of time. And to have that as an option and to graduate that group of kids, I'm seeing them now just stepping into roles that were their managers. They're like 17, 18, 19, because you can graduate earlier in Joe yeah. Foss. They're 17, 18, 19, managing people twice their age. And wow. they're killing it. Right. And, like, I'm connected with all of them still to this day. Like, I'm, I've stayed close with almost that whole cohort. Mm -hmm. And it's been a beautiful process to see them through and to right. watch them step in as emerging adults in the community. And since that program and the success that was seen, they are now in Jefferson, Washington, Joe Foss. And then on Thursday nights, I'm with the group doing um, a Leaders of Tomorrow at Access 180 through Volunteers okay. of America which is where youth who have landed in a homeless space or they were in foster care, they will go there. It's almost like a dorm okay. opportunity and they pay like 500 minimum to live there. And their expectation is that they have a clean, sober life and they either attend school or work regularly. So okay, they might've wow. graduated, but they live there. And we now have that program in there. Wow. And that's, again, that's raising and lifting up our next generation yep. mm -hmm. in hopes of them and knowing that they're going to be taking care of us yep. soon. Yep. <laughs> and that those sort of life skills are so valuable to be placing into our youth right now. Huge. Huge. Even, again, mental health. Yep. And if that's the crisis we're in, this sort of program is going to be vital. To address it, for sure. Mm-hmm. That's amazing because it's, I mean, that's what I think of is when we talk about overstepping poverty, reaching that hand down mm -hmm. to the people and helping them come up. And yep. it's all about the knowledge. It's all about the things that we're pouring into the youth, mm -hmm. right? Like if we're teaching them what they need to know, they're going to be successful because they're going to have those basic principles to fall back on when they're like, oh yeah, I went through that program and remembering it as like, life-changing yeah you know because they're not getting that information from anywhere else right unless we're being intentional and bringing the right people in to help them so right. kudos to you and getting them into the mm -hmm. school district because i know that's going to have a huge impact and then another thing with the school district i wanted to talk about a little bit is just more people do need to get out and volunteer their time and do coaching and be a mentor for somebody because there's so much value that we have inside of our minds and in our body, especially when you do go through programs like that. I mean, when you just hold on to those things, it deteriorates. Mm -hmm. You know, you have to pay it forward. You have to give it out and and help other people grow and, and overstep poverty. So good job for that. That's yeah. awesome. And kind of going off of that, what do you feel that we can do? I mean, not just us here, you know, because this is kind of how we feel like we're giving back to the community, but our viewers and listeners, what can they do to help? What can they go out and where can they volunteer? Mm -hmm. Things like that. Because I know a lot of people, they have time to do the volunteer work. It's just they don't know exactly where to go. They don't know who to reach out to. I get asked this a lot. And what I have to encourage people to do is to show up to where the people are. Mm -hmm. A lot of people will come to me and say, well, how do I start to mentor students like you do? And I had to do it in their world. Like mm -hmm. I had to show up 
to those things. There's a lot of different pockets of communities that have different like soccer leagues. They have different, I mean, even down to the cultural festival or the Cinco de Mayo stuff next weekend, Mm -hmm. show up to where Mm -hmm. they are. And those relationships will happen naturally. I promise you that. Are there organizations and entities? I believe you you both were at LSS. Like getting into those places, you can do that too. You can look it up. You could literally type in mentoring opportunities in Sioux Falls. Right. And you'll have like the Sioux 52 where you can go to that and it'll connect you to all the organizations that currently have mentorship opportunities. Okay. Those are available. But I'm telling you the most authentic impact you're going to have is showing up where the people are. Right. Naturally. Natural. And I, I don't think that's talked about a lot because everybody's right. very focused in on going through these organizations or going through things that are set up, which I'm a huge advocate for, don't get me wrong. But knowing what I know about my students, they would be less likely to have buy-in on somebody if they were placed together. Right. Mm-hmm. It would just not seem authentic for them, and mm. they would be like, see you later. Right. And the people that deserve to be reached out to, the ones that have the most need – are not going to be signing up for those things. 100%. So I'm telling the world majority people of Sioux Falls, if you want to have an authentic relationship, show up to where the people are. I love that. It's yes. still good to do the Sioux 52s. It's still good to do the LSS. It's still anything is better than nothing. We're right. all capable of something. Mm-hmm. But where can we get the authentic things? Showing up. That's powerful. I love it. Another question that we typically ask a lot of our viewers that come on to our podcast here is what is overstepping poverty to them? Just because to me, to Zach, we may have the same understanding of what overstepping poverty is, but we may have like a different definition of it. Mm -hmm. So what I want to know is for you, what does overstepping poverty mean to you? Yeah. So for me, knowledge is power. You can't take away my knowledge. You can't, you know, you can't put a dollar amount on that, and I'll always have that. Mm-hmm. So investing in myself by way of being a lifelong learner, mm-hmm. that's powerful because that's how I've found my way to give back. That's how I've found my source of income. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. where I've found my passions. That's where I've found my additional income and now additional opportunities. Mm-hmm. And I know it looks different for everybody, but staying in education and keeping my mind right is how I've overstepped poverty because Mm -hmm. it's where I had to start. And I ultimately didn't know I was, I'm the first generation college student. I didn't know I was going to go to college. I didn't see it as an opportunity until I met my first Native American person in higher ed who ended up being my advisor in college. Mm -hmm. And she was a woman and she's a Native American woman. And she inspired me to go through school because I'm like, oh, if she can do it, I can do it too. And this is, it's kind of, sorry, this is going backwards a little bit, but my dad had cancer when I was in school and he, the tail end of his life was spent in Vermilion. So when I'd go down and visit him when he was really sick and we'd walk the campus, I was exposed to what it looked like to be on the campus. So when I reflect on my life and losing my dad, like I don't look at it as a bad thing either. I'm like, wow, what a blessing to see a college campus meet this Native American woman, get inspired, have a lifelong education now. That's been my way of overstepping poverty is just 
being a lifelong learner and then paying it back by Mm. instilling life lessons and bringing in entities that are going to inspire the next generation because the best investment we can make is pouring into our kids right now. Yep. Absolutely. Yes. And I think of your daughter too, yeah. just everything that she's going to be able to take in along this journey that yeah. you guys are on together, which is amazing. So yes, that's really cool. So now we want to actually open it up to our part of our episode where we actually do round table. So this is going to be where you can ask us questions, Ooh, yeah. you know, and I want you to just fire away whatever questions you have, whatever you've had built up to know more about me, Daquan Brooks and Zakia Shaw. overstepping poverty okay so my first question in your opinion how important is it to find other like-minded individuals to climb out of poverty how important is it it's everything because i think of myself as i grew up and got into adulthood and a lot of those people that i surrounded myself were the same people from when i was younger and not that there was anything wrong with those people they're still my friends family and i still love them but as you grow The things you want in life are different than other people. So for me, I had to really be intentional about the people that I was surrounding myself with, the things that I was doing. There would be days where I'm bored and I want to go do stuff, but I'm no longer doing those things because I'm trying to change the way I'm living and change the way I'm interacting with people. So getting the like-minded individuals around you is so powerful and we didn't get to get into it, but the collaboration and partnership and stuff like that, when you have yourself, you have ideas and you have things that you want to do, but then you combine that with somebody else that's on that same wavelength, you can create beautiful things that make lasting impact. So I think it's so important to get around people that want a lot of the same values out of life. So Mm -hmm. absolutely. And Zach answered that very well. I mean, if I could take everything that he just said and <laughs> said it ag- say it again, I totally would. But even on our episode, we had an episode that we stated, your network is your net worth. Mm-hmm. You know, so mm-hmm. the five to 10 people that you hang around, they, they do define you. Obviously, if I'm hanging out with Zach all the time, everyone sees us and sees what we're doing. When we're not around each other, he is still, I mean, I'm on his shoulder, he's on my shoulder. So the things I do out in the community, it doesn't only reflect on me but it also reflects on him as an individual. So just having like-minded people and having those people that are around you that have that same kind of agenda is huge because it doesn't just stop here. It's out in the community as well. So yeah, it's very important. You're the average sum of the five people you the most time with. There's realness to that. There There is. is. Did you always have like-minded people around you? I feel since moving to Sioux Falls, I've had to, I've been very intentional with that. Yeah. Because now I can. Back home, it was your family you were around. You were just kind of, I don't want to say stuck, but it's the same people, different day. And here, I've made it a point to invest in those who are worth investing in. And does that sound harsh? Maybe. But it's ultimately going to help me grow and make sure that I'm taking care of my daughter. So Yeah. Yeah. You have to make those decisions. And they're not always easy. They're not. And there's somebody listening to this right now that's thinking about the people that they surround themselves with. And they're questioning whether they should (laughs) be around them. If they're not, then maybe they should be. (laughs) And that's your sign. (laughs) There's your sign. There's your sign. Can I keep asking? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. If you don't come from a background of understanding or a family of understanding financial literacy... What would you recommend to someone who's seeking to grow from poverty and build generational wealth? 
My first recommendation is definitely listen to this podcast because that's, <laughs> no, I mean, seriously, yeah. this is, that's exactly what we're trying to do because we have been in situations, at least I know I have, and I, I know Zach's gone through different situations in life as well, where we don't have that foundation when it comes to that. And there's other people that are looking for that. So that's exactly why we're here. That's the message we're trying to spread. We're trying to give people that information to take, to build and be better, better themselves. And once they're done bettering themselves, like we said, when you continue to go up the ladder, you have to turn around and you have to realize, hey, this is where I came from and this is how I got there. Well, share that same knowledge and pull someone else up with you. Mm -hmm. You know, So it's, it's very important for that. I would kind of start in the same place, but YouTube, I think, is one of the most beneficial tools that we have for anybody to get on and learn things. For me, on my path to financial literacy and stuff like that, I didn't come from a family where we didn't have money. It's not like we had a ton of money. We we're a middle-class family, and there were times that we may have dipped lower than that, but my journey with financial literacy really started when I accepted a position with New York Life. And that wasn't until I'm about 25 or 26 years old. Mm -hmm. So it took a long time. I, I had the basic concept of being able to budget. That's probably where you should start when it comes to knowing where your money is and where it's going. But I had a roommate in college and his family <coughs> owned a construction company, very well off. And as we got closer to graduating, I saw that he was going to be buying a house once he graduated. Oh. So I was like, hmm. And that kind of planted a seed in my mind, like, well, if he's doing it and he comes from a family that understands how to grow money and have money, maybe that's something I should look into doing. So it wasn't right after I graduated, but about a year after I graduated, I bought my first house. In that process of buying my first house, I lived there for two years. I worked at Wells Fargo. I didn't know what I was doing. A lot of people don't when they're buying their house. But living in that house, I had roommates. So I was learning, oh, I could buy a house, rent out some rooms. They're actually helping me pay for my mortgage. Mm. Fast forward two years, I sell my house and I'm able to make $30,000. And I was like, wow, like that's more than I make in a year at that time. So when I saw that, I saw the power of ownership. I saw the power of leverage in the ownership and just being able to utilize these things that the people around me were using mm -hmm. to grow and kind of implement them into my own life. I learn a lot by just watching people. Yep. Yeah. You know, and I'm very observant. Yeah. Just be observant. Utilize the resources you have. There really is so much information on YouTube for people. So yeah. use them. Use them. Be intentional. A lot of the financial literacy stuff can come from the people you surround yourself with as well. Going back to that last yeah. question. So would you put a plug in for the importance of taking financial class in high school a hundred percent can you do that for yes. me out loud for the I students think that who every don't want school <laughs> in the united states should have financial literacy i think it should be a requirement to graduate i mean we can go into a lot of the things that we learned that we were in high school and in elementary middle school a lot of those things are not as useful as the things I was learning at 26 years old. Yep. Where I should have mm -hmm. been learning that in middle school. Yep. Like literally should have been learning a lot of those financial literacy things in middle school. So for the students that are in school, like take that stuff serious. If you have the opportunity to learn about financial literacy, you have to take it. And if you don't, that's fine. But you may look back on that time as a missed opportunity <coughs> where – 
that could have been a really big difference in the path that you take in life. So I think it's super important for financial literacy. Yeah. And if that's something that could get into the curriculum, that would be awesome. It's offered. It's an elective right now. Okay. And I would stand firm in saying that it's it should be like a standard. Required. Required. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's so valuable. Because <laughs> when we kiss, not kick these kids out to the real world, but it's kind of how it is. What are they going to fall back on? Yeah. You know, well, and they all come back and they're like, Don Marie, I wish I would have done this. And that's one of the classes where they wish they would have spent more time in. Right. Because now they're trying to get their first house and they're trying to rent and they're trying to budget and yeah. like even opening a bank account. Like right. I've helped several students do that, even further back, finding their social security card and mm-hmm. the importance of having that throughout life. Like yeah. those things that help you in everyday life should be a part of it and when they would battle me on not going to that <laughs> class and then they come a year later and they're like i wish i'm like i don't right. want to say i told you so right but <laughs> well, maybe there needs to be something for those people that did have that opportunity that was missed where they could still have an opportunity to go to a financial literacy class yeah. within the community you know I'm, well, I'm even thinking of like leaders of tomorrow grads yeah like some of them implementing something like that and for getting sure. them the assistance, however that looks. Yeah, that would be um, big. I think that would be super beneficial to our... It sounds like you're volunteering to teach a homeowner's class. I would love kids. to. I would love to. Yeah. That would be awesome. Yes. That would. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so this is the part of our episode where we have our guests actually give our viewers and our listeners, as well as us here, five tips, tricks, and hacks and how to overset poverty. But not only that but also how you would tell yourself at 16 or to Mm -hmm. wherever age in life how you could actually better yourself don marie so i did take my 15 16 year old self and i reflected where i was at at that time sure which would have been the year before my dad passing away so i was a pretty Mm -hmm. like angry teen because i could see this coming and i wouldn't say that i wasn't kind. I just knew that I had a lot of emotions that I wasn't sifting through and I was trying to work it out through basketball, volleyball, and being active. There was so much going on. And even, you know, at that age, your body's going through all the things it's going through. Mm -hmm. But just what you guys know of me, I did work really hard in school and I had to because I had to learn differently. So my advice to myself back then is that my value is greater than my accomplishments. I always thought that I had to be earn, get to like I was always striving for that next thing and an award and being the best, being better than somebody and to tell myself you are you're good. Yeah, like you don't need to be pushing yourself so hard to get that thing. You're you're good who you are. Mm. Give myself a little grace. I wasn't giving myself any grace at that moment. I was pushing so hard. And then it's okay that you learn differently. I was very much into comparing myself to others. Again, I had to learn different being deaf as a child. I didn't have the memorization skills that all my other counterparts did, and I had to do applied (coughs) knowledge at a young age. And I was always hard on myself thinking that I wasn't smart. Mm. I was really hard on myself saying, you are dumb. You're just, get it together. Come on. And I just want to look at her and say, you're okay. You learn differently, and that's okay. You've had to, and it's going to help you later in life because it did. Listen to my mom, (laughs) that poor lady. I put her through the ringer. Again, I was at a moment where I was an angry teen, 
my dad was like slowly passing away. They weren't together. They were divorced okay. when I was three. And so I took a lot out on her because I felt like I didn't get to see him enough and I didn't understand why. And there was still all those questions of their separation as to why I couldn't be around him. And I took a lot out on her. Yeah. And the moment of her having so many daycare kids in my house, I wasn't nice sometimes. <laughs> like, right. And she knew, like, I think there's so many people that'll go back and say, I wish I'd listened to my mom. Mm -hmm. And now being a mom, I'm like, whoa, she was right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> there's so many moments where I'm like, oh my gosh, Raina's doing exactly what I did to my mom, like what I did to my mom. Mm -hmm. And I feel so bad being such a turd. And now having a daughter being a reincarnation of me, I'm like, <laughs> oh mom, I'm so sorry. So listen to your mom. Don't be defined by others. As I mentioned before, I'd let other people box me in. I'd let people decide like who I am in that space. And I would lean into it. And I wouldn't yeah. step out of that box. And I wouldn't just be who I am. And just as of the last couple years, I've let all that go. I wouldn't tell my 15-year-old self to let it go. I feel like I needed to go through what I went through. And I feel like I needed to process in the right way leading up to the age that I am to get to where I am. Mm -hmm. So I wouldn't skip those steps. But for those who still think that, you know, they are defined by other people, especially as they're leaving college and they're stepping into adulthood, like really working towards figuring out who you are. It's a beautiful process. And going through that is important. Mm -hmm. And the last thing I would look at my 15 year old self, the insecure gal, going through what she was going through and let her know that she's going to do great things. And somebody once said it before that I would impact millions. And at the time I didn't believe him. And now I'm like, I am, I'm going to impact millions of people in a positive way. And I want to look at that little girl, that insecure girl, the girl going through hardships, the girl bridging out of poverty and be like, you're going to do good things. Wow. That's I love it. Again, chills that's beautiful <laughs> i want to actually jump back and i need to get back to one question i need to ask you okay why should we and why should we the people of course vote for you vote for me for this election yes for the school board for the school for board. the school board yeah so i have a daughter in the school system right now and ultimately looking at future generations means a lot to me and i have proven concept that i know that that matters I've worked really hard to build relationships and getting back to the partnerships piece. I've spent a lot of time here in Sioux Falls developing really healthy relationships, not just with school entities, but businesses, organizations, getting them well versed on why we should be looking at our children's education right now and why it matters and how it impacts everybody. But ultimately, I'm asking everyone to pay attention. I can't do this alone. I can't single-handedly make changes and when I'm being called upon in this type of way to step in and lean in as the first woman of color I need folks to walk alongside me mm -hmm. I can't speak for every every person and so meeting with city council people has been important meeting with um, like I said other organizations and entities walking alongside each other and recognizing that we are more alike than we are different and recognizing that Sioux Falls is evolving and growing so much and diversity is just so beautiful. It is. And getting more folks involved to care. Not that they don't care, but just being more active. I've done that and I have proof and concept in that and I am asking everybody to walk alongside me. 
So yes, vote for me and knowing that I will also hold you responsible to help. Mm. And I think that's where Sioux Falls is headed right now. If we can come together, if we can show up for each other, and if entities can recognize we're all serving the same people, it's not just the school the school district's responsibility to take care of this. It's not just city council to take care of this. We're serving the same people. Absolutely. And we're I a community. It. Yes, mm-hmm. we are. Yes, we are. I got my vote in already. (laughs) Just just so y'all know. (laughs) Honestly, I was waiting to have this interview with Don Marie here. So I wanted to make sure I knew exactly who I was voting for. And I can honestly say I'm very impressed. It sounds like you're very intentional about what you're trying to do. And it's not about just you. It's about everyone else. Mm -hmm. You know, it's about our students. It's about our teachers. It's about bus drivers. And they say in any business, the CEO is valued just as much as the janitor. The janitor you know, and, and I love that concept. So you have my vote as well. And for our viewers and listeners, once after you listen to this, and hopefully you make your decision on this here, you do have until Tuesday, the 16th to get everything completed. But we encourage you to get out Monday and get your yeah. vote in yep. vote for Don Marie. Yep. Instructional planning center from eight to five, you take your ID. There's a social media challenge of how quick you can get it done right now. And Mm. one person's at four minutes and 41 seconds. (laughs) That's how quickly you can go in and go vote. Yeah. I actually went in. I think I beat that time. I didn't, I I didn't. (laughs) I was like two minutes, 12 12 seconds. (laughs) (laughs) I was in and out. (laughs) I love it. It was really quick though. It was really fast. And easy, super well, and, easy and it's important. It's more important than people recognize. And there's a myth like, oh, do you need to have a kid in the school system to, to vote? No. no, this impacts your taxes. This impacts the growth of Sioux Falls. This impacts your future people who are taking care of you. Mm-hmm. So if you're thinking, oh, it's not really my jam, no, it impacts your daily life more than you know, and bringing <coughs> awareness to that. And I, I'm not going to run around asking for votes. I want people to get involved. Right. Absolutely, get involved and care. Absolutely. Well, there you have it. Don Marie on the podcast, Overstepping Poverty. And like we said, you have until Tuesday the 16th to get out and vote. Please do. And again, we encourage you to get out on Monday. To make a change, you have to be the change. And we have someone here on our podcast that is being part of that change. Thank you again so much for being on Overstepping Poverty. My name is Daquan Brooks. This is Zakia Shaw and Don Marie Johnson. Until next time. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Overstepping Poverty. We hope you found this week's discussion informative and thought provoking. We know that tackling poverty is a complex issue, but by working together and understanding the root causes, we can make progress towards creating a more equitable society. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends and family and don't forget to subscribe to our show. Until next time, let's take the next steps in overstepping poverty.